This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. One person that was a king or a queen making all the decisions. <clears throat> so the idea of one person being sovereign over my life is kind of foreign to me. And so all I know of a kingdom is almost this fairy tale mindset. Or, or when I look over to other places and I look and I read through scripture and I find what it would mean to live in a kingdom where we have a king who rules over. It's foreign to us. We don't understand that as Western civilization. It doesn't make sense to us. But to understand a little bit about the kingdom of God, we have to dig in to this. So first of all, the kingdom of God is sovereign. Kingdom, actually, in the text that I read you in Matthew chapter 6, the, uh, the, the original translation is Bezalia. Bezalia. And what that actually is, is when you dig down to the original text, we lost some translation when this was translated to English. We think of a kingdom here in Western civilization. It makes sense to us that the kingdom would be a place. It would be a physical place surrounded by walls, and, and the people within that place belong to that kingdom. But when we dig down to the original text, the word kingdom actually should be translated as, as the, the act of being ruled over. You can look at it the, when you break it down even further, the dumb part, when you think of boredom or stardom, it's the act or the state of something. So if I say I'm suffering with boredom, it is the state of being bored, right? So you look at kingdom, kingdom is the state of having a king. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's a physical place that we're a part of. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go to this, this physical place to be a part of this kingdom, but it actually is just simply put, when we dig down to the original translation, the, the Basilea actually is not to be confused. If you dig down, it actually says, not to be confused with the place of a kingdom. It is actually translated, it should be translated, kingdom would be to be ruled over. So when we look at that and we understand that the, the prayer that Jesus prayed for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, and he says, that our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, our minds naturally, I don't, maybe yours don't, but my simple-minded self tends to take and say, well, the kingdom of heaven is the place where I can't wait to get to. I can't wait to get to walk the streets of gold. I can't wait to get to my mansion. But most of all, I can't wait to bow at the feet of Jesus. And so when I read this text, I think, well, Father, I want your kingdom to come to earth. And we kind of close off the mindset and we put it to this place of, well, that's way down the road and that's years and years and years from now. Or maybe it's tomorrow. I don't know. But we've got to get to that point where we reside on earth in that type of kingdom. Well, when you look at the original text and you break that down and you have Basilea, that really doesn't make a lot of sense. Because what's actually taking place, Jesus is, is praying this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, but your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, rule this earth. The same way that you rule heaven. Come and rule over your people. Allow yourself to be sovereign here over your people the same way that you're sovereign over heaven. 
Well, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he was sovereign. He, he is sovereign. He has been sovereign forever. He had complete control. He, was, he, he had complete reign over everything that was in creation. And there was a point in Genesis chapter 1 when he says, I've made man and woman in my image, in my image. I made them. He said, and I give you rule over the animals, everything in the sea that crawls the earth. Rule over them and go and multiply and fill the earth. Well, at that point, he transitioned some of his reign and some of his authority to us. When he did that, that then gave us free choice to make our own decision whether we allow him to rule over our lives or not. We don't have to choose to allow him to be our king. We don't have to choose to allow him to be sovereign over us. But first and foremost, before we can have heaven on earth or before we can have the kingdom as in heaven come as the kingdom on earth, we have to understand God has to rule over his people. There's no other way around that. We have to understand that God is sovereign. The kingdom or the rule of God over us is sovereign. That means that all else, all other ideas, all other thoughts, all other selfishness, all, whatever we want has to come second to him. He has to be sovereign in order for the kingdom to be the way it was designed to be. The kingdom is sovereign. Well, who is the king? Well, the news came for years throughout the prophecies that there was a king coming, that there was going to be a king of the Jews, and, and he was going to come, and he was going to be the Messiah. He was going to save the people. Well, we know that that was Jesus. Jesus looked nothing like what they expected their king to be. He came from a bloodline that was nothing like they expected the bloodline from their king to come from. He was born in a place that absolutely was nothing on the map. It made no sense that this man that claims to be the king really is the king. And they mocked him. And you know the story of, of him walking to the cross, him making his way through the suffering. He received his crown of thorns as the king, and he was put on his throne or the cross. And the, the moment that he died, his reign took over. Because when, when he died and the veil was torn and, and he rose from the dead, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. That was the moment that his kingdom was set into place, and the kingdom here on earth then began existence. He was the reigning king at that point. So he allowed us to become part then of the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That was the transition point. Up until that point, there was no kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. There was no rule of God. There was no sovereignty. Sure, we can walk all the way through scripture from Genesis to Revelation and we can see Jesus from the very beginning to the very end. We can find the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. There's no doubt about that. But the point of reconciliation, the point where salvation took place, and the point where somebody could say, I believe on the word of God, I believe in the Son of God, that power, that authority took place whenever Jesus died and rose again. He's sovereign. The rule of God is sovereign. He is our king. He had to come. He had to be put on the earth. He had to die so that his kingdom could begin. So not only is the kingdom sovereign, but the kingdom seeks. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, we're to be a seeking kingdom. You and I are the kingdom. 
we, we think of it as this place, but when we understand that we're a people that are ruled by God, we are the kingdom. And, and Jesus says, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God seeks people. The kingdom of God seeks God. We're to seek the reign of God. Unfortunately, everybody will not find the reign. Everybody will not find the kingdom. If you go to Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 13, Jesus is talking and he's teaching in parables. And the disciples said, Jesus, why are you having to explain all these things of heaven? Why are you explaining them with a man sowing seed? Why are you explaining this in, in a place that is farmer's terms? Or why are you explaining this in stories? And he says, because, in verse 11, he says, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. For he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore... I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And then he says, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. There's a gift that comes with understanding the, the mysteries of God. I hope that whenever you read your word, whenever you read these parables, you don't read words on a page about a farmer sowing seed. I hope that and I fully believe 100% with all my heart that if you're a part of the kingdom of God and Christ is residing inside of you and the Holy Spirit is working in you and you're allowing God to minister to you through his word, when you read these words on the page, you don't see a farmer sowed out seed. But you see a deeper understanding of who God is and what Jesus is really discussing. But the only way we do this is when we seek first the kingdom of God. We seek his reign. We seek his authority. We seek his sovereignty. When we are a kingdom that is a seeking kingdom, God reveals to us what somebody else doesn't have. We're gifted to have the kingdom. Verse 11, he says, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. It's not something that we just happen chance to, to have gathered or, or something that we were able to earn or understand on our own. When we read scripture and revelation comes off these pages like it's alive, it's not just happening by chance. We're being given authority. We're being given word, the living word of God by God himself. But it comes through seeking. Not only is the kingdom sovereign, not only does it seek, but it also sows. And that's the parables Jesus is talking about. In Matthew chapter 13, in verse 3, he says, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed. And some seed fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured it. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth. They immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was, uh, the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns. When the thorns sprang up, Choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a good crop. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. And he goes on and in verse 24, we see another parable. He's explaining, he says, in the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. You look at verse uh, 31, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which man took and sowed in his field. 
When we have the kingdom of God, when we understand that the rule of God is over our life and we've made him sovereign, we're seeking him. It's only natural that as part of the kingdom, as the kingdom of God, you and I would sow that seed. That's the way that this is supposed to work. It's not supposed to work that we receive the kingdom, that we receive all the glory from the Lord, that we receive the blessings, that we get to to enter into the kingdom by the blood of Jesus just to say, hey, we're here. We're blessed. We're given the mysteries of God for us to bless somebody else with. And I say that over and over, but it's the mission of the gospel. Our job is not to make, make sure we're okay. We're covered under the blood. We are okay. We're a body. We're a family. We look after each other. When one falls, we got each other's back. Our job as individuals, our job as a church is to sow the seed. To sow the seed of the kingdom. And Jesus is teaching it in all of these parables. Sometimes it's weird to me that he's teaching these, these farmer terms, but every one of them he says the kingdom of God is like a seed being sown or a farmer that sows a seed. Well, if Jesus says the kingdom sows the seed, you and I better be sowing some seed. We have to sow. And it's easy for us to turn away from that idea because we feel like Maybe we're intimidated. Or maybe the enemy would want to intimidate us. Or put a spirit of fear in us. Well, God didn't give you the spirit of fear. He gave you the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Maybe we don't want to be rejected. Maybe we don't want somebody to to accept Jesus and then fall flat on their face because of us. Jesus explains it. He said a farmer sowed his seed. He didn't say where. He didn't say that it was intentional. He didn't say that the farmer went and found the best field possible where he knew without a shout of a doubt that something was going to grow. He said in chapter 13, verse 3, it says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. We don't know where he went to sow. I can kind of picture it like the sower walking out and just chunking out seeds. Hey, let's see what happens. Chunking them out. How would that not be possible if some of them fell by the wayside? Some of them fell on gravel soil. Some of them fell in the thorn bushes. And then some of them happened to hit good soil. If this farmer was intentional and he had went and cultivated his field perfectly and he had done his very best to make it without a shadow of a doubt, seed's going to come up right here, then there's no way that it would make sense that some fell by the wayside, some fell in the gravel, some fell in the thorns, and then some happened to make it on good soil. It don't work that way. He said the kingdom of God is like a sower who sows his seed. Not one that cultivates it and makes sure it's perfect, that's relying on our own ability. If I prepare somebody's heart to the very best of my, if I handpick, Justin looks vulnerable. 
He looks broken. If I, he's at life's worst point. There is no doubt. If I offer him some kind of hope, he's going to take it. Well, that's easy. That's an easy person to sow seed on. Because at this point, I know that I've got something they don't have, and they're at their lowest point, their lowest low. They're needing something. Well, this is something for them to grasp to. Somebody that's hit rock bottom's grabbing for anything. But Jesus said the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is like a sower who sows. Some's going to fall by the wayside. That's wasted seed. It even says that the birds come and snatch it away and they, they get fed. Well, Jesus explains this later and we find out that, that the birds are the, the devil's coming and snatching it and life snatching it away. That means that mine and your efforts were wasted. It is what it is. When I was in school, economics class, they said, hey, don't cry over spilt milk. There is a theory, an economic theory, that, that that's what, it, don't cry over spilt milk. Who comes up with this stuff? But it's life. You sure ain't going to vacuum the milk up and put it back in a jug and drink it. It's done. I, I, I'm not called... I'm not called to pick and choose and make sure every seed gets sown in a place that it's going to grow. Jesus said the kingdom is the sower that plants, that sows the seed. Some of our seed is going to fall by the wayside and we're never going to see it again. Some of our seed is going to fall on some shallow soil, and we're going to be so excited because it's like, whoa, there's some grass. And then you're like, what happened? Because just because our seed hits the ground, because it happens to germinate really, really fast, and it happens to sprout up, don't mean that the ground was prepared and the ground was even ready to hear the word. That's not my fault. It is my calling and my duty as a pastor to do my very best to cultivate a place and to cultivate hearts so that the word would be received. But as a personal ministry, it is my job to sow seed. It can, maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't. I don't know. I can tell you instances where I've seen seed sown and I've seen people come to know Christ. I watched somebody very close to me receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Before I did, at a young age, I was pouring into love to him. I watched him stand and speak in tongues in a camp meeting in Falcon. And now he's gone. Ain't got nothing to do with the Lord. I was so excited. My heart was overjoyed because he was there. But he was some of the seed that fell on the shallow soil. There was no background. There was no ground for him to be rooted down in. And so when the sun came up, when life got hard, he was gone. As a farmer attempting to sow seed, those are heartbreaking. When you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, and you see a little bit of hope, and you see just a glimpse of faith, hey, there's a little bitty blade of green grass there. Something's going to grow. And then you come out the next day and it's gone. 
the easy thing to do is don't sow no more seed. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who sows the seed. And until I understand that he's sovereign, and even though some of that seed's going to fall by the wayside, some of it I'm going to watch sprout up and then it's going to go again. I have to keep sowing seed. Jesus said some of it fell in the thorns, and the thorns grew up. It says that the, the, the plant actually grew. The seed grew up, but the thorns choked it out. That has nothing to do with the sower. Jesus explained it as the snares of life. Life happened. And the faith wasn't quite strong enough to withstand life. As a sower, do I quit sowing? If I do, I am failing the mission of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Because somewhere, somehow, if I keep walking and I keep throwing seed, I don't even know where it's going. But if I'm just throwing seed somewhere, it may be in the farthest corner. There's some good ground somewhere. It may be the person that I'd have never dreamed would be the good ground. It may be the situation that I thought was the darkest, and in my own human flesh, I thought, that's done. That might be the seed that Jesus takes, that, that Jesus takes and allows it to reap 30, 60, and 100-fold. If I never sow it, I never know it. That's good. How, how do you know? Understanding that the kingdom of God is sovereign, the rule and the reign. We've got to, it's going to rock my world to change my thought process that even to the point of Jesus praying the prayer, Father, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now it's not even about you and I again. I've always thought it was about me, Lord. Give me the kingdom on earth so that everything can be happy and all the people can be, be gone that are causing the problem and the devils can fly, fly off and die off and burn and Go in the church attic. I don't care. It's not about us, though. Sure, all that's coming. I can't wait till the day when there's no more heartache and there's no more pain and there's no more suffering and our human bodies are 100% complete and I ain't got a pain in my leg because I crawled in the attic all day. I'm ready for that day to come. It's going to come. But that ain't what this was about. For God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven is about the reign of God and the people of God spreading out the reign of God all over the earth as it exists in heaven. I'm sorry, I'm excited. Verse 31 and 32, Jesus said, Is the kingdom. Of heaven is like a mustard seed that was sown. The smallest of the seeds would begin to grow. And he says as it grows, it becomes a place of shelter and a place that houses other creatures. When doing a little bit of research about mustard seeds, I could take a tablespoon of mustard seeds. Which one's bigger or smaller, the tablespoon or the teaspoon? Look at y'all, we sparked something. 
There's a game we've been playing where if you think it's the teaspoon, get on this side, the tablespoon on this side. You want to play it? I'm just kidding. It don't matter. A spoonful, I would imagine the smaller one. A spoonful of mustard seeds, approximately 100 seeds. And you could take that spoonful of mustard seeds, and if you planted them, they germinate really, really fast, meaning they grow real, real fast. And not only do they begin to grow really, really fast, y'all ever planted a rose bush? I hate rose bushes. My lovely mother loves rose bushes. She loves to plant rose bushes. But they take over everything. Everything. We were during the hurricane and we're trying to get to the panel box and there's rose bushes and you got the thorns and they took over everything. And if you take those mustard seeds and you plant them, they germinate and they begin to grow. And if the farmer's not careful, he loses control of the mustard plant. And it gets to the point that that tree gets so big that now what was just this little, little bitty seed is now a place of refuge. It's now a place where birds come and make nests, and the farmers hate it because that defeats the crop. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a sower that sows mustard seed. And my seed might be really little that I sow. It actually is the smallest of the seeds, and it's the most insignificant of the seeds. But there's something about it when it hits the ground. I'd imagine of that hundred, there's some that you never see. Because some are going to hit the wayside. Some are going to hit the shallow soil. Some are going to be choked out by the weeds before they can get big enough to sustain themselves. But if we're sowing it, then the seed's going to grow. And the thought just kind of came... If I'm doing what I'm supposed to do to plant this seed, what if it's me on a dry, hot, rough day of life that needs the shade coming from the tree, from the seed I planted? Because if that seed that I sow, maybe it's just one, falls on good ground Jesus tells me that it's going to produce 30 I'd be cool with 30 I mean that's some intense margins if you want to look at it if you had a stock that went up 30% wouldn't you be happy Jesus said but it's 30, 60 to 100 times the fold but until we understand the kingdom, we don't understand the importance of the sowing.
we get so lost and so, no, we're human. I'm ready to go to heaven, ain't you? But how many people can I take with me? I heard a pastor say something, I didn't intend on saying this, but I heard a pastor say something this week that resounded with me, and it was like, wow. Pastor's a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he says, it should be difficult for a person to die and go to hell in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's speaking in faith about the kingdom. And he's speaking that if the kingdom is at work, understanding God is sovereign. No matter what life brings, God is in control. No matter what I think I want to do and what my flesh says, God is sovereign. When I understand it and I walk on that, the sovereignty of God, and I realize I'm part of something that's way bigger than I am. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I ain't got to wait till I die and stand before the judge and I make it to heaven one day to be a part of the kingdom. I am the kingdom. My king is Jesus, but I am the kingdom. If you reside in Fayetteville, you are Fayetteville. I am the kingdom. And when I understand the sovereignty of who God is, the author of all creation, the giver of life, the giver of breath, the one that can bring up peace over rushing waves, the one that can be right there asleep in the boat with me in my storm. He ain't got to be awake. I'm cool with me just sleep as long as he's there. When I understand the true sovereignty of God, I can't help but seek who he is. Understand that he wants the absolute best for me. He ain't a king that's selfish. He's not a king that waiting on us to pay our taxes or waiting on us to do this and that and just snapping his fingers, killing people off. It ain't a king like that. I've got a king that loves me. And I'm sorry, but I'm his favorite. You are too. And when I understand that, it's okay that he's sovereign. It's okay that he reigns over my life because he wants the absolute best for me. Why would I not seek him for it? And knowing that he wants the best for me and he wants the best for you and I'm his favorite and you're his favorite and everybody that will come into the kingdom gets to be the king's favorite. I used to tell teenagers, you're a king's kid. Act like it. Walk in it. Jesus said it over and over that the kingdom is like a sower who sows. And the kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven. That bridge was gapped a long time ago on a hill of Calvary. been done and you and I have been gifted 
with the mysteries of God. You and I know and we understand things that, unfortunately, Jesus said, everybody don't. Knowing that we have this gift, why in the world would we not so see? We have no excuse. Because sure, I'm going to fail. Some of my efforts are going to be completely wasted. I'll be very real with you. There's days that I say, what in the world am I doing? You ever feel like that? Why in the world am I doing what I'm doing? Why in the world do I, why, why am I stressed the way that I'm stressed? Why, why do I do what I do? Knowing good enough well, my efforts are wasted sometimes. Knowing that I've seen people and I've been completely heartbroken because I thought my efforts were successful. And then all of a sudden, they wither right away. I'm not bigger than life. You're not bigger than life. Life happens. And the difference between us and anybody out there figuratively that don't have the love of Jesus is life happens to all of us. It just so happens I got Jesus on the boat. Expect are the ones that that I never dreamed or even listening. I may not even realize they're there. They sure know I am. There's good soil somewhere for the seed to fall. And if I can have one seed hit good soil, who cares? about the 99 efforts I lost because let's do some math if one comes back to me a hundred times fold I got a hundred I have still more than I had when I the 99 lost I'm not talking about sheep that are lost and Jesus leaving the 99 to go find the one those are saints of God those are people part of our family that we would leave the, the 99 to go find the one that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about people that ain't sheep yet talking about the people that need to know the love of Christ. They need the shepherd. Seed are we sowing? Just stand with me. series of conversations over the next few weeks understanding that the kingdom of God on earth isn't a place that's we're waiting on but it's who we are it's vital for us going forward it's so much more than peace reigning on earth and 
and God casting out the evil and the heartache. And it's so much more than that. Here, right now, in this room, we are the kingdom. With a king that is sovereign over our lives, that's given us a purpose. Our job is to sow seed to expand our kingdom. You and I were put here for one purpose. God created Adam to have somebody to commune with. Well, if they ain't part of this kingdom, they're not communing with God. We're to expand the kingdom. So that when we pray, Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's coming from the Father, but it's coming through you and I. Through the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit that we would raise up, that we sow seed and we see God's reign come over our land. This week has been crazy in the news and all this junk going on, all this crazy mess. I, I like can't even hardly keep up with it. But could you imagine if every part of this country and even stretched out to this world would really allow God to be sovereign the way that it is in heaven? And it falls back to us. So as we pray this morning, I want to ask that you just accept the challenge first of all understanding who you are that you are part of the kingdom you are the kingdom of God here on earth Jesus made it possible and you and I got a job to do to expand this kingdom and as we move forward throughout the next weeks would we be open minded to understanding what that means for us and what it is that God's calling us to. Would you pray with me? Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you for your kingdom. God, I thank you that you're a sovereign God and that you give us the ability to come into your presence, Lord. God, that through the power of Jesus, through the sacrifice of who Jesus was and the sacrifice of Jesus' life on earth, you sent kingdom, you sent heaven to earth for us to be able to reside in the kingdom of God here on earth. Father, I thank you that we serve you, Lord. You're a God that loves us. We serve a God that cares about us. Our Father loves us, Lord, that I get to be the favorite. Lord, every one of us get to be the favorite. God, and I pray that our hearts would be shifted to understand we are the kingdom. God, and I pray that we seek you with all of our heart, that we seek out your will. We seek out what you would have for us individually as a church, God, as a family, as a body. I pray that we begin to sow seeds. Seeds may fall on dry soil by the wayside and shallow soil wrapped up in thorns of life. God, but by the grace of who you are, some of our seeds would fall on good soil. Lord, and our works would never be in vain. Touch us, heads bowed, nobody looking around. I have to ask this morning. If you're here
you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're not a part of this kingdom. You've never understood the sovereignty of God or who God is or that God wants the absolute best for you. And you have no relationship with Jesus Christ. I just want to ask this morning if that's you and you want that relationship, would you lift your hand? you.